0: Back in the late 90s, I was just a poor college student in my dorm, trying my best to pick up whatever I could from Stevie Ray Vaughan, Chris Duarte, uh, eventually Kenny Wayne Shepherd when he came on the scene. And I was trying to do it with just having CDs and VHS tapes. There was no YouTube, Uh, there was nobody breaking this stuff down for me, and so occasionally I'd come across something like those chords that I just played they would just sound so huge and intimidating. And uh, basically through a lot of trial and error and experimentation, I was able to figure out what gives it that huge sound. So I've dedicated the last 15 years of my life at Texas Blues Alley, trying to make this stuff more accessible so that you don't have to sit there for hours on end just trying to figure out a few notes. So that's what I'm gonna do in this lesson today is I'm gonna break down those huge sounding chords and I'm gonna show you how simple they really are. Now, part of this lesson is gonna be focused on the notes, but we're also gonna focus on the techniques because you can't get that sound without the right technique. And so at the end of the lesson, I'm gonna show you some courses that I have that help with this. If you join our Locals program, you can study these. Until your fingers are raw, but let's get into it looking at the notes. got my overhead view here we're going to be in the key of A and everything we're doing here is based off of an E form chord played at the fifth fret that would be an E form A chord and where there's a couple of parts of this chord that we're going to dissect and use in different arrangements so first the low E string is kind of going to be our you uh, think about it like a seesaw or a Ball bouncing back and forth. We're going to be bouncing back and forth off of the low string and then stuff up here. One group of notes is the 5th fret of the E and the B string, just barred. The next group of notes is just going to be the 7th fret of the D, G, and B string barred. And then the 3rd group of notes is going to be the 5th fret of the D, G, and B string with a quick hammer on to the sixth fret of the G string. Now, it's very important that when you do this, this little maneuver, that you you can include the high E string there, but when you're playing these two notes, when the focus is on this, you don't wanna include the G string. And I'll show you some tabs how we're doing that in a minute. So that motion right there. Now when you get to barring here, the two most important notes are the G and the B string. And when you get down here, the two most important notes to end up on are the 6th fret of the G string and the 5th fret of the D string. The reason is we want a consistent We want that descending sound to be the overall melody of what we're playing. If we include the G string with our first thing up here. We get too much weight from this G string down here, plus it's minor. We don't want that interrupting the flow. We want this to be neutral. So if we keep the minor third out of it, it still sounds like the top of a major chord. Then we throw this in, and then we hammer on here. If you do end up strumming through and including the high E string on this part, You want to make sure that you're attacking the bottom part most. Because you want this to be the dominant sound, not... Because we don't want... That's not our goal. Our goal is to get this... We want to get that sound into the listener's brain. Now, what we're going to do coming out of this little hammer-on is going right to the seventh fret of the D string. And we're going to put a little rake right there. And then those three in a row. So this rake. Okay. So all we did was take this chord and turn it into. And the harder you can hit that vibrato, the better. You can actually turn this into a little drill. So that is the core movement that we're doing. Let's take a look at some tablature for our whole arrangement here. Now we're gonna take what we just did and we're gonna expand it into a rhythm that you can repeat over and over again. Uh, And so I I wanna say some things about the tablature and then we're gonna go through it. So I want you to look at these two bars as the beginning group and these two bars as the ending group and they are almost identical except for a few key things. In the first bar of each repetition, I want you to focus on this part of the bar, because this is identical in both the first bar of each group of two. Okay. We will talk about why these first two notes are different, but I want you to get in your head that you're essentially playing the same thing at the start of each of these two bar groups then in the second bar of each group they are the same up until here okay so this part is the same so the endings are slightly different okay the reason i'm talking about this is because in my mind it helps to visualize that i'm playing two back-to-back bars and then i'm playing almost the same thing but with a slightly different ending and i'm leading in just a little bit differently so i'm playing two bars here then i'm almost repeating myself but with a few minor changes so just keep that in mind so we lead into this first bar of this first group by landing on the low e string at the fifth fret and we lead in with a rake so i have a four bar counting one two three four OK, so our beat is straight, but our eighth notes are swung. So we hit this first beat of the measure on the low E string at the fifth fret, then we have a rake, then the top of our chord, the fifth fret barred, B e and E string, then another rake, then barring, the notes at the seventh fret then dropping right into our hammer-on and then down to the 7th fret of the D string. Now we're immediately going to go into our next repetition of this. So we go right to the low E string again and right up to the top part of the chord. But because of the offset here, we end up hitting these notes on the first beat of the measure. Over here, we had our accent on the low string at the first, and then we had a rake. So we hit this a little bit off beat. But the next time through, we end up right on beat with the top part of the chord, the one, then a rake, then our notes barred at the seventh fret, go right into our hammer here seventh fret of the D string again and now to provide the ending for this first group of two we're going to go the conclusion the resolution starts off the next repetition okay so that's where we end up at the end of the first two bars so you think of these as a group Now, in your mind, we're gonna kind of repeat that, but with a few key changes. First change, instead of landing on the low E string to start off, and then doing a rake, we're gonna land with this hammer on, and then play the low E string instead of the rake. So the first time, That's how we started off up here. This time, we're coming in. Timing-wise, we hit the top part of the score the same way. It's just a matter of what we're playing for these two beats right before we get to this. Then it's the same. All the way up to here. But now we're gonna play a slightly different ending because we want to distinguish this group of four bars as a self-contained thing. If we played the exact same ending here, it would make each two bars sound like a package. And we don't want that. We want these four bars to be a package. So we're gonna put a slightly different ending right here. And so when we come into this second bar of this second group here, Right from these nose bar at the seventh fret, another rake, and then we slide from five, five, fifth fret on the G string, fourth fret on the D string. We slide up one fret. Landing at the sixth fret of the G string, fifth fret of hit the low E string again at the 5th fret. And then two hits with the notes bar at the 7th fret. Now, so this is like one group. But if you're going to repeat it, it would not sound right to come in on the second repetition on this note. Okay? So what's going to change if you have another repetition is you're going to come in with this and so we're just gonna repeat this, this style ending. So this sort of ending, this sort of intro where we start on the fifth fret, then have a rake in this, this really only happens the first time around because we're coming in cold. Okay. And so after that, we're going to repeat every time coming in with the little hammer on and then the low note before we get to the top part of the chord. All right. So if you're a member of our Locals program, I'm going to have those tablature in... uh, We're going to have the tablature in sound slice form, uh, sound slice tablature with demonstration you can play to. Let's talk about the techniques, though. So obviously, we are not just playing... Just playing these two notes by themselves, we're getting all this noise in there, and even when we're playing these notes part at the seventh fret. Raking through part of what makes this sound so huge is the fact that you have all of this slot, these clicky sounds, these rakes in with everything you play. So, this doesn't sound anything like. This so that brings in the question of muting and i'm going to give you a very quick example or demonstration of how to do that muting here so you can mute some of it with the bottom side of your thumb if you see here hanging that over there but i'm also just kind of relaying my fingers on the strings here and I'm just pressing down at the bottom here, but I'm leaving the fingertip up in the air so that I just know the feeling of barring just the top two strings. So I can... Now, another thing that's happening, watch my, f- my hand up here. I'm resting this part of my hand, the fat part of my thumb here, the palm on these strings after I go through. so Even if I did accidentally catch the G string while I was doing it, I would kind of catch it with this hand to mute it out. So in my case, most of the time when I'm doing it, I'm barring solid the E and the B string with my fingertip muting the G string, the side of it, and then I've got my thumb muting the low E string and the A string, and then the D string. If I didn't bring this hand down, that note would ring out. The string would get away from me, but that's where I was. I'm bringing this hand down, and I'm immediately clamping down on these lower strings. Barring these notes here, keeping this hand so those don't ring out. Again, getting the low strings with this hand. And then on the upstroke. There's two ways you can go about getting to that hammer on. I'm doing down, up, down. You can either go right into a, an upstroke that hammer on and then right into that or that's typically how I do it because I like the sound of the downstroke better there. When you're doing this hammer on... I'm uh, restraining my picking motion a little bit. I'm not doing a full stroke. I'm just doing a small and then down to this string here. And then I'm really targeting this string by itself, but even when I'm doing that vibrato and I hammer it, I've got my finger lying back On the G string. And I've got my index finger resting on the strings behind it. So that right there. Is the fundamental. Muting and raking. That you need. To get that big huge sound. Now. Here's the part where I try and sell you on my membership. So you have been warned. Like I said in the beginning, I have spent the last 15 years of my life trying to demystify everything that I learned back in the late 90s when I was in my college dorm room, just deciphering as much of the Stevie Ray Vaughan stuff that I could. And then Kenny Wayne Shepard came along and he did these techniques in a slightly different way than Stevie Ray. So I was, I was studying his stuff. And so I've taken everything that I learned about that and I put it technique-wise into this collection of six courses. Now they build on each other. The first one, the grip, is all about this thumb over grip that we've been using. Don't take it for granted that I'm doing this because the ability to grip the guitar like this came at a cost took a lot of hard work to get that. And so I structured it focusing on the grip first. We'll talk about playing the e-form chords this way, all the muting. We're talking like millimeter, sub-millimeter level detail here. Then we go on to the muting and the raking and the bending, vibrato and picking. And they all build on each other. And uh, I always tell people these are not... These are not casual courses for... um, people who look for fun things to play only. These are serious courses for serious guitar players. And if you're gonna take them on, be prepared to experience some soreness in your fingertips and your hands, because you're essentially retraining your hand how to grip the guitar. Um, And the way that you can do all of this is check out our Locals program, because I offer all, I have over 60 courses, like 150 hours of instruction and everything that I've done. I mean, this picture just shows you a sampling of all the courses I've done. They're all done from the perspective of that that person back in the late 90s, sitting in that dorm room, trying his best to learn Stevie Ray Vaughan without having a lot of good resources to do it with. Um, so by joining the locals, you're able to take advantage of, of the work that I've done for 15 years, trying to put everything that I learned for 20 plus years into courses that can be digested by anyone, uh, no matter your starting point. Uh, So anyway, I hope this lesson was useful. I hope you are able to create some of those sounds that you hear in your head and you hear on the records. And uh, I just want to encourage you, if you can't do it at first, repetition is the key. And I promise you, if you put in the work with repetition and you're paying attention to all the stuff that I talked about in the lesson with the muting and the raking and all that stuff, it does become second nature. And you are able to do it without thinking about it. And that is a beautiful thing when you can just take that aggression or whatever you feel and just put it out there in these huge sounding chords and you don't have to worry about all the muting and raking but you got to put in the work ahead of time to get there so till next time thanks for watching